0: Hello, my name's James Wrigley. I'm a financial advisor and one of the principals of Melbourne-based financial planning firm First Financial. I've been a long-term listener and contributor to the ensemble group and podcast, picking up some amazing nuggets of gold over the years. And through this podcast and the people that I'm able to speak to and interview, hopefully I can continue to deliver some of those nuggets of gold to you. Are you having conversations with clients about retirement? Are they asking how much money they'll need? Are they worried they'll run out? We're proud to introduce the new North Retirement Space on Ensemble, featuring Q&As with economists, webinars with product innovators, and unfettered access to retirement specialists
1: to support your advice. Join the conversation today with North, a better way for retirement.
0: Hello, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I've got the pleasure of speaking with Billy Norman today. Billy, thanks for joining me. You're at Link Wealth Group and uh, all over TikTok and a few other places, so i uh, Nice to have a chat with you.
1: Yeah, thanks, James.
0: Thanks for uh, thanks for joining me this this morning. It's a Monday morning as we're as we're recording this one. We're gonna have a bit of a chat uh, around social media marketing. I reached out to Billy to ask him if he if he'd be on the on the podcast, and uh, we're going to get into the topic of social media marketing and your kind of experience and how you got into it, how it's going for you, what you're using to to do it, all of those kind of things. But like we tend to do before we. Before we get into that, just like to hear a bit of a bit of your story. So, Zero at Link Link Wealth Group, uh, you're here in, in Melbourne as am, as am I. Um, maybe let's give what's, what's a bit of your background. So, I guess what are you up to now at Link Wealth Group, and and then and then a bit of your background.
1: Yeah, thanks, James. Um, yeah, look, I started with with Link Wealth about four years ago, <clears throat> and so at that time I started with no clients, so I was sort of starting afresh. Uh, I had to build a client base. Um so the first couple of years there that was really my focus and then about a year ago I probably got to the point where I'm you know 100 clients so getting to that full client load um so the next stage of what I'm doing now is I'll keep building that but I'm also I've got an associate advisor who's working with me and so once they'll do their PY year once that's done hopefully they'll then transition a a big chunk of my clients across so I'm just getting to that point where I've got the full client book that I'm looking after now, and just trying to get the that balancing act right of looking after clients, chasing down some new business, and then personally wanting to focus more on you know mentoring team members and bringing through associate advisors and so on. Yeah.
0: So did you join Link as an advisor? Were you like were you, what? were what, 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 Yeah. Did you join as an advisor? Did you join as an associate? What did you do as an advisor? <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I was uh, my previous role. I was a financial advisor, and I had clients there. And I decided that wasn't where I was before. That wasn't going to be my long term home. Um, so I met up with with Steve Sloan, who's the who's the uh, founder of Link Wealth, and he just acquired a couple of books. And so he was hiring. He was looking for advisors who could just hit the ground running and jump in and take on all these new clients and transition them in, them into the business. So I joined as an advisor. But yeah, started you know started from zero and just had to get on the phones and speak to all these people that we we wanted to onboard as as clients. Yep. and 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 prior to
0: prior to joining Link, like what you did, how how many years were you advising? Like what what was your like kind of what was your pathway into being an advisor? What what did you, what did you get up to?
1: Yeah, a very long and slow pathway, James. I was, oh, was, I was a power planner for like ten years. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, so I like I finished high school in, in 2000, then I started working in my dad's accounting business and then they started doing some advising and that's how I was exposed to it. Gotcha. I, you know, initially, I was studying IT and then I was like, no, nah, I don't like this. I like the share market and what's well, happening in dad's business. Uh, so that's how I started in the industry and you know, I did the, the old school trajectory of sort of ad- administration and then mm-hmm. junior power planning, senior power planning, and then it's sort of a, it's a long story, but essentially around you know, we had the GFC around 2008, and the business I was a, probably about to become an advisor back then, and the mm-hmm. business I was in ran into all sorts of trouble. Oh, did they? Yeah, just uh, just a lot of clients with margin loans and some financial products that didn't work out too well. Yeah. Um. So I left that business, and I had a bit of a like rethink of my whole career at that point. I almost left left financial yeah. advice altogether back then. And then I decided, no, I'll stick with it. Um, I just need to become more educated before I'm going to be an advisor. So I went back to uni, finished a financial planning degree, did CFP, did power planning for years. (laughs) Were you you power power planning whilst you were at
0: uni and and doing your CFP? Yes.
1: Yeah, it was. Okay. Yeah. So initially I was just a standard full-time power planner in a business. Mm. Then I started, then I found out about contract power planning, like doing it remotely. Yes, Um, so I, I did that while I was studying, which worked out really well because I can just sort of come in and out of the office a bit, do some work from home, um, and sort of turn up and down the hours as I needed to with study. Yeah. Uh, then I finished, uh, finished the degree and then I had a bit of a, like early midlife crisis around 30 years old. And, um, I went and joined some friends, uh, to do, do a couple of ski seasons. Oh, did you? Yeah. So I did 30 years old. I went and did three ski seasons back to back. While I was contract paragliding, so your contract power pl- like what you were in somewhere in overseas, contract paragliding,
0: skiing during the day and riding plans at night, kind of thing.
1: Yes, <laughs> <That's crazy. laughs> I did it in I did Japan, New Zealand, Japan because it was like similar time zones. Yeah, and the advisors didn't, they don't care. I they're just emailing me. No one really spoke to me. on needed really to come into an office. So They didn't even know where I was, yeah. and I was just charging per SOI. And were you working for yourself then, contract power planning, or through like mm. a power planning group, or how are you dealing? How are you doing that? Uh both, both. So yeah. I was just getting work wherever I could. So businesses yeah. I'd worked for in the past, I was just emailing them saying, "Do you have any spare plans you need doing?" Because I'm doing this now. i was sending them like a pricing list. So I was doing some direct, and then to get more work, I was also going through some of the contractor, the bigger groups. Yeah. Um. Oh, one of them was Haley Knight. I did, did a bit of work for her at one point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You may know of. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's amazing. So, what were you doing? Like the ski
0: seasons, were you were you just skiing or were you instructing? Like, were you were you working
1: on the ski fields as well, or what were you up to? Um, I was there with a few friends, and one of them uh, got a full time instructing job. Uh, I tried to get work there, but pretty hard in Japan with a with a, uh, a tourist visa and um, and no ski instructing experience. Yeah, so I tried to get some work there. I got a I got a job on a bar for a little bit, but that was like only for a few weeks. The rest of the time I was just riding SLAs and then I was just yeah. um, just snowboarding with my with my mates pretty much. How long? Like how long a stint did you stay in Japan for? I did like a full winter, like four months in Japan. Then I came back to Melbourne, and um, one of the groups I was working for, they had heaps of work, so I went into their office for a couple of months. Yeah. Then I had some friends in Wanaka in New Zealand, and they said you can stay at our place for a couple of months if you want. So I jumped at that, and then I did Wanaka in New Zealand. Yeah, and then after that, I just wasn't quite done yet, so I went back to Japan, and uh, I found somewhere to live with the contacts I'd met the previous season. Was it so? It was the same group of people, like Japan, New Zealand, back to Japan, or was it like different people? Initially, like what prompted it was I had uh, two friends, uh, two couples. And they decided they were just going to sell all this stuff, quit their jobs, and just travel for a year or two. Yeah. And part of it was doing a full ski season. Yeah. Um, and I had just finished my study, and I didn't have a partner, and I thought, Yeah. And I started doing this contract power planning, so I just thought, well, I'll just join them. Like, Yeah. There's no reason not to. So initially, that first Japan season was a group of us, and we all had to work quite hard to find out where we could live and if we could get jobs there, et cetera. Then after that, I came back to Melbourne, then I had my friends who lived in Wanaka, so I went and yeah. joined them. And then to do Japan again, I just reconnected with some of the people I'd met in the ski resort the first time around. Yeah, right. And we all arranged some accommodation and did it again. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> and then I got really sick of the very inconsistent cash flow of being yeah. contract paraplaner. <laughs> and I thought, no, that's it. I need to get a normal job now. So you yeah. sort of got my fill of doing that and then- um. Then came back, you know, went into a share house, got a full time job. Yeah. But okay, if I'm going to be an advisor, now's the time. But that stage, I've been power planning for years and years. Yeah. And I was pretty sick of it. So um, I just thought, yeah, I'm going to end be an advisor or do something else altogether. Yeah. It's
0: like that's a so, that, that's a fair length of time. You often, you have to invite people, you know, if, you, if you're in power planning for a while, tend to just be like a career power planner. That's what they want to do. You know, for if, uh, if you've chalked up 10 years in it, that's, uh, that's a fair length of time to to then to, to move out of it. So how did how did you find moving
1: out of power planning to being an advisor? How did that transition go for you? Yeah, good question. Because after ten years of power planning, I thought I knew everything about financial advice. Mm. I discovered I knew very little. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, I hardly had to speak to anyone when I was, especially when I was power planning overseas. I didn't talk to anyone. I was just sitting on sitting in Excel and Word documents and X plan and. And uh, emails and like I wasn't even talking to anyone. So now yeah. all of a sudden you're sitting in front of a client, and I thought, well, I know all the strategies and products back to front, so I should be fine. I found out that wasn't the case at all. You know, especially <laughs> with a new client, they don't care if you, you, know, they don't care how good your technology is. Yeah. Um. So I really, it, it was a lot tougher than I thought it would be.
0: Mm. Did you have? Did you have like wherever you ended up working? Did you just get? Did you just become an advisor straight away, or did you have some like mentoring going on? Like it sounds like you're doing some mentoring now with people that you're working mm. with, but had did, did you have anything at that time, or did you, you did just get jump straight into being an advisor?
1: Well, yeah, it was really hard, and even mm. the business I was with, they didn't really have a, a process for for someone like me because mm. you know you get to being a senior power plant, you're earning a pretty good salary, you don't want to go back to like a zero, you know, junior advisor. Mm. <laughs> Starting salary, yeah. So, how do you do that transition? Like, if it unless you want to take a huge pay cut. So, essentially, I applied for a job. Um, it was through one of the contacts I'd made in doing my contract power planning, mm. and they said we really need a good power planner here. And I said, well, I don't want to be a power planner. Mm. <laughs> and they said, okay, well, if you if you can come here, you know, start here really quickly, we'll pay you a good salary sort out our power planning issues. if you can then outsource, if you can then find someone else to do the power planning work, we'll then make you a financial advisor.
0: Oh, so, so you get to come in and then also find someone to do the power planning work off the back. Yeah, Like you would add a lot of contacts in power planning by then anyway doing it for as long as you did.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, and obviously I was a big fan of outsourcing at that point because that's what I'd done, the other side. Mm. So I ended up... um Offshoring it, like using one of the bigger offshore groups at the time. Yeah, okay. And that was very, that was quite challenging in this business because yeah. I hadn't done it before. Yeah. Um. So it took a while. Like it took like a year and a half, really. Like initially, I just had to get through the backlog of plans I had. Then I had to start to figure out how I was going to make myself redundant doing these plans. Yeah. Um. They had another power there, so that that helped. You know, he was there. Uh, but Then I had to try and outsource as well. And yeah, I eventually got there. It took about a year and a half. Uh, be- I became an authorised representative finally. And um, uh, they had an insurance advisor there who left the business. So there was this massive book of, of in- mostly insurance clients. Mm. So I, I just started meeting with them and, you know, let's catch up and look at your policies type yeah. thing. Uh, that was, it was really challenging. But that, that's how I started. Yeah. What a story. <laughs> it's incredible. It's it had. How did you
0: like? How long and how long into being an advisor did you think that like you you started to get the hang of like needing to talk to people? As as you said, like run, running those
1: meetings. How how long did that? Do you think that took you? It's it's like the importance of a mentor. I think was what I discovered because initially I was left a fair bit to my own devices, and I found that I found it really hard. Like I was okay talking to people, yeah. but trying to if you've got all these people who insurance these clients who have insurance policies and that's the only relationship they've ever had with the business to try and talk to them about a retirement plan or investing or something. It was it was really tough um, transitioning them. Mm. Um, so I said initially it was really hard. Uh, then then it got to the point I did that for a while and then one of the one of the older advisors there he was eyeing off retirement so he started transitioning his you know his full clients to me i.e not risk only. My full retire, retirees and pre-retirees and stuff like that, so that's when I really started to to get into proper advising. Oh. Um, so I did that for a while, and then yeah, without going into all the reasons and and so on, I decided that business was my long term home, mm. and then started Link Wealth, and then that's when since I've started Link Wealth Group, that's where you know, my progress started and things started moving really quickly. Yeah, that's the, I had a, I did a podcast with Steve a few weeks back,
0: and he was. We was talking a lot about this this kind of training program that you have for people in, internally. That there's a whole lot of the mentoring going on to um to to help everyone. So yeah, so so then you so you, you your four years at, at Link, you started with zero clients. Did the the in in the beginning was your job to try and the kind of help work with the new clients that Stevie mentioned. had just bought a couple of client books from. And wherever they were bought from, was was it in the beginning. You were just trying to deal with those new clients that that had been acquired by the firm.
1: Yes, yeah. So it was like you know, not cold calling, very very warm calling. So it was clients who had an advisor who mm. decided to to retire or leave. Uh, so we're calling them saying, "Hey, we're we're your advisors. Let's catch up and you know have an initial chat and and see you know see what what we can do for you." Mm. Um, so I was just on the phones and then that was right at the start of the pandemic as well. So, <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> GFC and then, you, and then you walk February, into the pandemic. Uh, at Linkwell, February, just before, before COVID and yeah. we were hundred percent client facing meetings and, um, calling all these clients that, you know, their previous advisor usually went to their house, you know? Yeah. So wow. I'm calling all these people and for the first month I'm, Making million calls and going to people's houses, and then all of a sudden we're stuck at home. I'm thinking, oh shit, how am I going to do this? <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it, was, it, was, it was tough, did- but we got, we got through it. How did, I've never, I've never really had a, a good chat with
0: anyone that's done that. Like, how do you, how did the clients react to your calling up, say, "Hey, I'm Billy," we, you know, we new new advisors. I would imagine those clients have been communicated to in some way. Prior to you, know, you and anyone else from Link giving them a call to say that their previous advisor re- retired or was selling the business or whatever the circumstances were, how how receptive were the clients to you giving them a call and then meeting up with you and and and, and that kind of process? How receptive were they to that?
1: Yeah, good question. Like the majority were fine. Um, yeah, okay. Most of them had had an advisor for a long time, mm. um, and as you know, like advising, say ten years ago was. Yeah, not, not so strict in terms of having full reviews every single year mm. and uh, going into an office and sitting there for an hour and a half. So it was a bit more, they were used to quite a casual approach, like their advisor calling them just randomly out of the blue and then yeah. <laughs> coming over to their house. Yeah. Um. So the first meeting, most of them really liked the first meeting because we were way more structured than what mm. they were used to in the past. And, you know, they might've had an advisor they'd had for 20 years and they had someone fresh, you know, with more energy coming in and yeah. giving them a fresh perspective on how everything's set up. Uh, so most most people liked it. Mm. I mean, um, ch- challenging coming in and, you know, as you can imagine, charging a lot more than what the previous advisor did. Yeah. Um, and some of these were, were back from the, you know, old grandfather commission days and stuff like that. So yeah. the fee structure was always an interesting conversation. Yeah. But- mm. If you came in with enough energy and new ideas, and yeah, and they could say they're going to be looked after, then most yeah, most clients were were happy.
0: Yeah, yeah, we we find a we find a similar kind of thing. And you know, you're you're about to go through it with your you know, associate advisor to doing professional year and so forth. We often find a similar kind of thing when we um, you know, transition clients to to other advisors within within the business. As you mentioned, you know, client base gets to a certain level, and then you. You might need to introduce a new advisor. Quite often, we find that things then happen after that. Like they, they might then refer their friend, or you know, coincidentally, they are downsizing their house, and like there's there's activity that comes. We find from just transitioning the some of the clients onto a different advisor. So all of a sudden, yeah, there's fresh ideas, a fresh face, you know, more, more energy, maybe in those meetings than what what it may be used to, and the fresh face makes a big change to things um yeah so why don't we have a bit of a chat about the social media uh, stuff now so you've you know you've four years into working at link you're you know it sounds like you've you know successfully transitioned a, a whole lot of clients from a from a previous advisor through you know that, that acquisition process that's happened into into you you're looking after them now what do you said so, you know there's there's a lot written about I oh, advisors should be on social media you should be posting on LinkedIn or Instagram or, or or whatever that 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 happens all the time what was the catalyst for you to start to put yourself out there online where did that start for you
1: yeah sure so yeah wasn't wasn't off my own back yeah um, you know firstly steve Sloan, the the uh, main director of link he's always been keen on marketing um, and it, uh, up until a couple of years ago, I hadn't found anything that really worked too well. Um, and at that time, we brought in Celia on. I think she's been on this podcast ah, yes, before. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, she, at that time, she was a, a LinkedIn specialist. Uh, she told us very explicitly to start talking to the camera and filming it and putting it up on on LinkedIn. Yep. And she gave us a basic structure for that. And she said, you know, between one minute, three minutes, four minutes, absolute maximum, um, and she ran us through her program at the time all the advisors at link wealth and we all agreed as a group everyone will upload one video per week for the next 12 weeks. Uh, it was really hard at first and it's not it's not something I ever thought I would do I yeah. could film myself talking and put it up on social media. Um, so it was very awkward at first it was difficult uh, coming up with ideas and you know trying to do it without doing 12 takes and all that sort of stuff uh, but we did it and then we started to see some results and that encouraged us to keep doing it. And that, yeah, that's how it all started, really. Yeah, right.
0: And so where are you Where are you all putting videos now? Where, where are you posting them now?
1: Yeah, so that was, when was that? That was probably almost three years ago now um, yeah. that we started doing that on LinkedIn. Uh, did that for a year or so, got some good results um, and then started just reading about TikTok and I thought it's uh, maybe it's worth a look. So I put it on my phone, jumped on there, looked for financial advisors, found you, <laughs> James, yeah. and pretty much no one else at that point. Yeah, actually, so I don't think I found any other financial advisors on there. Um, and saw how much traction you were getting, and I thought, well, okay, I better start posting some videos up here too. Yeah, and yeah, very quickly saw massive results from TikTok. So what do you can you? Quantify what you mean
0: by results. LinkedIn, TikTok. What you, like what do you? Yeah, are, are you measuring that in
1: in some way? What what is does what does the results mean? Results means people watching the content, and mm-hmm. the real results is when they reach out to you and say, "I need advice," or "I saw you talking about X. Yep. I'm interested in that. Can we have a chat?" And then that increasingly leading to to full fee paying clients. Yes. Okay. And and you're seeing that from both LinkedIn and from TikTok. Yeah, so over the last twelve months, it's been tons of business from TikTok. Um, okay. I think about probably eighty percent of my new businesses come from TikTok. Yeah, um, a handful from LinkedIn. Yep. Um, but because what we've found is the longer you do this, the longer you put content up every week and build an audience, the stronger and the stronger and stronger the leads become because they're often people who have been watching your videos for a year. Yes. So by the time they reach out and by the time they speak to you, they've already decided they want to be a client. Yeah. <laughs> so, powerful, isn't it? Very powerful. Very different to the old school, you know, say cold calling yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. just very, very warm leads. They've already seen you talk, so there's already some level of trust, and they want to be clients, and yeah. they want to. Yeah. So that's what I mean by by results. Amazing. So how do you? So you mentioned at the start.
0: When you first started, you did your twelve-week thing on LinkedIn, you know, finding ideas and, and so forth, was was difficult. Do you have any? Do you have a bit of a process with that? Like you know, you've you've been doing videos for a few years now. I imagine it gets a little bit easier with time. But what do you? How do you come up with ideas to talk about?
1: Yeah, good good question. Um, it is hard at times, and it's interesting because when you become a financial advisor, or certainly I never thought there would be much of a creative element to it. Um, but coming up with ideas for social media, there is a big creative element to it. And um, like I'm a big fan of stand-up comedy. yeah, and I know if you're a stand-up comic, as you're walking around all day, you're actually looking for ideas in every little interaction you have and there's yep. an element of that to it. like you' it gets to the point if you're if you're creating content regularly where your your mind is always looking for ideas and you'll say, you know you'll be speaking to a client and they'll say something that gives you an idea for content. Yes. Um, So the more you do it and the longer you do it, the easier it becomes, that aspect, because you start to become wired to thinking of ideas. Um, But when you first start out, it's hard. And the best way we came up with to come up with ideas was like a group, old school, you know, group brainstorming type session. Um, that was all of you in the office would would come up with ideas together. Yeah. Well, initially we were doing that program with Celia. So she was really helping us with content. Uh, and then we started, you know, just more and more frequently having discussions at the office about ideas. Yeah. Um, you know, you see something in the news, something in the financial review, or, um, you know, if you follow, say, some American or British financial advisors, you can get some inspiration there and see what they're doing. Mm. Yeah, so just looking around for those ideas. Uh, but then you, then you discover, you know, what do people want to see? Well, if you, you can tell client stories, like you can explain to people what you are doing. As an advisor for clients, and you can give them specific case studies, yes. Um, and as you know, that works really well because then some people out there see that and they're like, "Well, that's similar to my situation. I want, I want a strategy like that." Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, so yeah, that's, um, that's one of the, one of the most powerful ways to do content, I think. I
0: notice you on your TikTok, you do something with like a beer. You, uh, I don't know, you get a beer of the week or whatever it is, and and do a video. How 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 have they go? How do they go for you?
1: Yeah, that, that was interesting. Like, that was when we were working with Celia. And I said to her, I said to her, I've, I've got an idea of just like reviewing yeah, reviewing a craft beer and then packaging that up with a finance tip. I said, Is that allowed? Because I never noticed anyone drinking on LinkedIn. <laughs> I, is that okay? And she's, she's like, Yes, definitely. Anything to get attention. And I thought, All right. So then I spoke to Steve, the boss. I said, do you mind if I drink a beer on social media? And he said, does Celia think it's a good idea? And I said, yep. He said, yeah, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's how it sort of started. Mm. And, um, it's funny, like when I did that, the first few weeks that I did it, uh, I think I ended up with a couple of new clients pretty quickly off Facebook because there are people who already sort of knew me from yeah. the past, you know, some past job or whatever school mm. or something. And they saw me opening a beer and then just grabbed their attention. and yeah. um, so a few a few like old friends and stuff like that became clients because of that. It just like it's just
0: it's showing people more more of of you more you know, that's' it's obviously an interest of yours if you you know got the craft beers and you're talking about them, that's obviously an interest of yours. And as much as someone will see your strategy and go, oh that look that sounds a bit like my situation. i I, I want some help like that. People are going to connect with that too. I'm sure there's people that come in and want to talk to you about the craft beers and oh by the way, the, and you know, this, that, and the other thing for financial advice, but that's a uh, yeah, it's, it's a kind of some common ground, and yeah, I'm not surprised that it works for you. So, what do you do in terms of the 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 actual physical recording of the videos? Like, what are you, what equipment are you using? How are you how are you setting up that?
1: Yeah, sure. So I don't have any
0: equipment. It's just all done on an iPhone. Yep. You uh, you
1: have a phone, phone or anything,
0: or just, or just literally just pull out your phone and record it. That's it.
1: Yes, just my phone. The only equipment I'll sometimes use is, you know, the the ring light, like the Sofi ring light type yeah, yeah. thing. You can get, you know the Anko brand ones, <laughs> the Kmart ones. Yeah, I've got the Cameo ones, well, fifteen one. yeah. dollars or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we've got a big one at work that's on a tall stand, so you can put your phone in the holder thing and stand in front of it, and the light ah, yes. is pretty, yeah, that makes the lighting nicer. Yeah, and I've got a small one at home, um, which I use for client meetings as well. Yep. Yeah. just so you look okay on camera. Um, But that's it, just an iPhone. So initially I was just recording them on the phone and then trying to get them onto LinkedIn, which was quite cumbersome. As soon as I started using TikTok, I mean, one of the reasons it's so successful and so powerful is the video editing tool in TikTok is incredible and it's really easy to use. Mm. And you know, that's the point, as you would know, James, it gets to the point where sometimes you can create, edit and upload a video within like five minutes. Yeah. Um, it's just so good. And then once you've done that, you can use that video to re- and repurpose it for LinkedIn or Facebook or any of the other platforms. So
0: you're so you're recording it straight into the TikTok app. You open up the TikTok app, you put up you you put your camera there in front of you,
1: press record, crack the beer open and, and have a chat, whatever you're talking about. Exactly right. Yeah. yeah. And then the main editing is really just snipping out all the you're gonna snip out the millennial pause. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know what that was. Until it's, I saw it on uh, and it comes
0: up with the comes up with that blue highlighted comment and like, oh yeah, actually I'm doing this all the time.
1: <laughs> yeah. So for those who don't know, the millennial pause, you need to watch out for this if you're recording these videos. If you click record and then wait a couple of seconds and then start speaking, people who are younger than millennials call that the millennial pause. Like it's almost like you're pressing record and you're waiting for the yeah, giving time for the app to start working, the video to start recording before you talk. Um, so, what you can do is record the video and then just edit out the first one or two seconds. So, as soon as someone scrolls onto that video, you're just talking straight away. Yeah. So, you just edit it to edit out the quiet bits or any bits where you're sort of rambling or anything like that, and just make it snappy. And then there isn't too much more editing that you really have to do.
0: Beautiful. And yeah, as you said, with your with your results before, it's it's clearly it's clearly working for you. Uh, you know, it's a. New, new new clients is the I guess is the whole the whole purpose behind it. So it sounds like you're having a bit of fun, creative outlet with it at the
1: same time. Yeah, exactly. And you just uh, I think one of the once you get into doing that, one of the challenges is it's not getting carried away where you just you know it's more fun making videos than it is writing up a meeting note or something. So <laughs> I, I struggle with that too. Like oh, I really I'd like to just sit here and make TikTok videos talking about stuff, not uh,
0: yeah, not the having to do the wrap up from client meetings and. All notes and emails and all the rest of it. The uh, the the videos are are a little bit more fun. Yeah, that's so that's good. And, yeah, what are, so what are your plans moving forward from here? You mentioned at the start, you're training up an associate advisor. You'll hand over some clients. Yeah, what's uh, what's the next few years you know, plan for you?
1: Yeah, interesting question. It's yeah, I mean the the group I'm with, Link Wealth Group, we're growing pretty quickly. Uh, we've got five associate advisors now. Hmm. And five senior advisors. So there'll be lots of associates to work with and mentor and train up. And then that will allow me to also decide sort of what sort of client book I want for myself, what size, what type of clients. Yes. Um, so there's that process. Then there's certainly the marketing will, will keep evolving, as you know, especially like it, TikTok's been amazing over the last year or two in terms of getting new business and building an audience. But these apps are always changing. Um, the algorithms are always changing, and people's behaviours changing. So, we're really keen as a, as a group to evolve our marketing, um, and that might be, you know, doing podcasts or changing the way we we put out content, um, looking at the other platforms and all that sort of stuff. So, a lot of work on marketing, a lot of work with associates, um, and just really trying to be at the forefront of whatever direction financial advice is is heading.
0: Mm. Sounds like a sounds like a great business to be part of this as Steve was on a a few weeks ago. You're doing some really interesting things well and truly. Like well and truly at the forefront of that. There's not that many not that many businesses. Like, you know, there's there's a whole lot of businesses out there that are still struggling with a basic website, let alone trying to put the camera in front of their face and talk about a client story. Um, yeah, you're just so far ahead of what the vast majority of the financial advice space is doing. Sure, there's a few a few now doing a similar kind of thing, but you're you're one of few, not one of many. Um, and because you know, congratulations to you and and the rest of the team, particularly Steve for for jumping on that and and getting everyone involved. As you said, you probably without without his push, without him saying this is the this is the way forward, this is what we're doing, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have done it, and and you and you, you know you probably wouldn't be in the same position that you are today. So. Congratulations to you. Congratulations to Steve and the rest of the group. You're uh, you're well and truly well and truly doing really well for it.
1: Yeah. Thanks, James. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. Yeah. There's no way I would have done all of this off my own back. It's only because the group that I'm with and the leaders there um, facilitated it and encouraged it and were willing to pay for marketing consultants and things like that. That's the only reason this sort of this sort of started. But very very glad we went down this path. So yeah, got the rewards for it now. That's it. Yeah.
0: All right, thanks, Billy. Thanks for joining me this morning. Appreciate you jumping on the podcast. Good to chat with you, and I'll uh, and i see you at a, at another financial planning event sometime soon.
1: Absolutely, thanks, James. Appreciate thanks,
0: it, Billy. See ya.